0: For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward each one of us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. May God bless the reading of this word and may it be something that settles in each one of our hearts. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Glad that you're here. Title of the message this morning of infinite value. History tells us that there were approximately a dozen millionaires on the Titanic uh, when it sank. And several of those 12. Uh, were very worried about their fortunes um, that they were traveling with. And unfortunately, they ended up going down uh, with the ship. However, there was one millionaire, uh, a man by the name of A.H. Puchin, and he survived the Titanic disaster, um, leaving behind $300,000 in cash, which is equivalent today to about $9.5 million. Mm -hmm. Um, He left that behind. And he said this after uh, his rescue. He said, the money seemed a mockery at the time. Why? Because his money uh, had zero value under the circumstances. It was really useless and, and as a result went down with the ship. You know, it's rightly said that we know the cost of everything and the value of nothing And uh, Mr. Puchin, he understood that um, the intrinsic value of human life, um, when you compare it with temporal riches, there's there's really no comparison. So there's two thoughts that uh, I want to share with you today. Um, The first one is that your value is found in Christ. You have value in Jesus Christ. But let's pray before we start. Father God, we're blessed uh, in so many ways. We recognize you as our creator, our savior, our Lord. And fathers, we bow before you this morning. We ask uh, that you would uh, speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through your word, um, that your angels would be here um, to keep the forces of evil away. We pray, Lord, that distractions would be taken away. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak through me today. Uh, that these words would uh, not return unto you void. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's think about that first uh, consideration. Your value is wor- and or worth is found in Jesus Christ. So 6,000 years ago, at the prompting of Satan, um, entered into this world a dreaded disease called sin, right? You could call it a pandemic if you want. Um, And as a result of sin, what resulted? Death, Death. that's correct, yeah. So sin was uh, the disease and death was the result. But God's intention was that the world would be perfect, right? That there would not be any evil, there would be no sin, no death. Um, And as a result of sin, we were separated from our creator, our loving creator, the life giver. And there was that sentence of death. And in Genesis chapter 3, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to read these. Uh, Genesis three twenty-three and 24, uh, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden, speaking of, of Adam and his wife, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way Of the tree of life. Now, previously, uh, we find there in Genesis, if you go there, um, we find really the first words spoken by God to mankind, and it's uh, in chapter 2, Genesis 2, beginning in verse 16. And interestingly, the first words that are recorded from God to man are a command. And it says in verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So here's God. Now, we should, whenever a message is presented or you're reading something in Scripture, you should be looking for the love of God in that. Because God is love, right? That is his character. That's his attribute, his main character uh, trait, And so we can see the love of God warning his child that the penalty of violating that very simple law would be death. And then in Romans, in chapter 6, we see that warning again, right? He reminds us, wages of sin is death. Um, And so with that in mind... What value does Jesus place on you? Look at Revelation 13.8. We're going from one end of the Bible to the other. Revelation 13.8. How are we doing? All right, Revelation 13.8. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So I want you to focus on the second part of that, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So the Bible is clear that Christ entered into a covenant agreement in which should man sin by transgressing God's law, His perfect law of love, Jesus would then condescend to this planet In an attempt to save mankind. And I say and emphasize that word attempt because it was not a sure thing. It was not a sure thing. Otherwise the whole thing was a farce. Jesus could have given in to the temptations of Satan and fallen. He came, he lived that perfect life. He died in place of us took upon himself the penalty that, was due, that we are due, that we deserve. And then he was resurrected, which, which is, should be an encouragement to each one of us because that means he has power over the grave. If you've lost somebody that you, that you love, you, you're just anxious for that day when Jesus will call them up out of the grave. He has power over death. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Because of what Jesus volunteered to do. He didn't have to do that. They could have erased the whole thing and started over. Could have done that. There's many things God could have done. But because of love, Jesus was willing uh, to come and do something that no one else could do. So our value is found in Christ. We're told that it was a struggle for the king of the universe to yield up his son. And, And that makes sense. Period, it makes sense. But then for a guilty race, you see even more love demonstrated, right? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wanted to do that for us so that we could be saved. And so there's a mystery of redemption because we don't really grasp the depth of that love. I mean, we can talk about it and it touches our hearts and we're like, yes, he loves us. But it's far greater then we really understand and we can comprehend. It's a love that passes understanding. It really is. And we're told that endless ages we will seek to comprehend the great act of love. So Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's the redeemer of fallen mankind. And, you know, we, we oftentimes can, uh, without realizing, we can put Jesus in a box and say, you know, Jesus is my friend, and when I need something, I go to him. But he's so much more than someone we can go to, isn't he? I mean, he's so busy right now uh, dealing with this problem of sin as our intercessor in the most holy place, doing that work of blotting out sin and and you know, at the same time, heaven is dispatching angels and the Holy Spirit to help. And, you know, God gives us help when we don't even know that we're getting help, when we don't even know or realize that we need help. We're in danger and he sees it. He's like, whoa, and, and dispatches the, the help that, that is necessary. And we're told that God would pour out all of heaven to help one sinner if that was necessary. So you're of such incredible value to Jesus. Our value is in him because there was no one else in the universe capable of saving the sinful race. It had to be the creator. It had to be the lawgiver. It had to be the one whose law was broken. You know, the angels volunteered to go. It's just not possible. You know, if it was possible, Jesus probably would have said, okay, go. I'll be the supervisor. You go. But no. Love it made that impossible. It had to be the Creator, had to be the Lawgiver. No one else had the ability of being human and divine at the same time, and no one else could risk everything to save us. No one else had the universe. Else in the universe, loves you enough to sacrifice the way Jesus was willing to do. You know, we use that word condescension, and. I don't know if we really wrap our minds around it, but could you imagine the glory of where Jesus was with the Godhead, and and how magnificent it was, and and the Lord he had the universe as as his and could do anything and he had you know countless angels, and then what does he do? He's born in a manger in a cow barn, in a poor family, and they have to travel. You know, I, I mean. Just think about it. And then the abuse, the ridicule as he was growing up, and then the abuse as an adult and the beatings and and all of that for you. Because he loves you so much, he wants you to be in the kingdom with him. On May 2nd, 1962, some of you were around then. I wasn't quite around uh, at that point, but there was a, a dramatic advertisement Uh, it appeared in the San Francisco Examiner, and it said this, and I quote, I don't want my husband to die in the gas chamber for a crime he did not commit. I will therefore offer my services for 10 years as a cook, maid, or housekeeper to any leading attorney who will defend my husband and bring about his vindication. That was the, the article in the newspaper. So one of San Francisco's greatest attorneys... Uh, Vincent Halliman read that ad and he contacted Gladys Kidd. That was the woman who placed that ad on behalf of her husband. So he contacted her and her husband, Robert Lee Kidd, he was about to be tried for slaying an antique, an elderly antique dealer, because they found his fingerprints and his blood on a sword. Inside the antique shop, so neither Gladys nor Robert had the money to to afford an attorney uh, at that time, and so during the trial, so this this attorney agreed to do it. He said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this case." So during the trial, he proved that the sword was not the death uh, the uh, the weapon that was used, and he was able to prove that the fingerprint. And the blood were because previously uh, Robert was in there with someone else, a friend of his, and they were fooling around with that sword. They went into the shop, left a f- latent fingerprint. You know, our fingerprints are all over Tullahoma, probably, the stores you go to, Walmart, whatever, right? So anyway, he, he was able to prove, you know, hey, he, he toyed with that sword. He was there with a friend uh, while they were shopping. And the jury, after deliberating for about 11 hours, they found him not guilty. The attorney refused the 10 years of servitude. It's interesting how it it fit with the Sabbath school lesson today. He refused to do it. But, you know, offering to, to be the person that does everything in someone's house for 10 years, that's a magnificent sacrifice, isn't it? And, you know, we could give many examples, countless examples of human love, Because she was doing this not for herself, she was doing it for her husband, right? Um, But there's many, countless examples that we could use uh, where we compare human love with that of the Godhead, but it doesn't even come close to what God was willing to do and what he did. And so, if you look again at our scripture reading that Matt shared with us, go there, uh, Romans 5. And we'll begin in verse 6, Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And there's been examples of that, you know. Uh, we see it um, in, in not too f- uh, far history. You know, in my lifetime, I remember a Secret Service agent taking a bullet for a president. You know, those things have happened. People are willing to do it for someone they perceive as good. You know, of course, any anybody here would would you know uh, stand in front of harm's way to save a child especially one of your own. For scarcely a righteous man, verse 7, will, uh, will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So think about what they were doing to Jesus the day of his crucifixion, the hours leading up to it, and right up to the nails being hammered in. And he was dying for those people. That's a love that we're just not able to comprehend fully. It's powerful. Uh, The book Ministry of Healing, page 161, says this, Grace is an attribute of God exercised toward, notice this, undeserving human beings. Right? Grace is not grace without that. Undeserving human beings. We did not seek for it, but it was sent in search of us. God rejoices to bestow His grace upon us. He rejoices to bestow His grace upon us. Not because we are worthy, but because we are so utterly unworthy. Our only claim to His mercy is our great need. So Jesus came to reveal God's love. That was in large part why He was here. While at the same time, to demonstrate the value of men and women, boys and girls. I hope our young people are listening. And there's many examples in Scripture, right? You could go down through the list in the New Testament, Jesus cleansing lepers, and Jesus choosing a publican uh, to be a disciple, and uh, Jesus healing demon-possessed people. And, and in, in Luke chapter 4, uh, right after Sabbath, Jesus heals an entire town, And if you read that story, I love it because it says that Jesus placed his hands on every single one. Now, he could have stood like this and said, be healed, and they would all be healed. But he took the time to be personal and touch each person and heal them. And then, obviously, the crucifixion. You read Isaiah 53, and you get a beautiful picture of the crucifixion, what Jesus did for us. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 reminds us that we were bought with a price. Now, we generally don't spend money on things that are not of value to us, right? And neither does God. Christ paid the ultimate price. He gave his life for you. Therefore, you are of great value. See, the higher price paid, the value coincides with that. You know, if, if someone paid two cents for something, it's really not worth a whole lot. But Jesus, what he did in giving his life and all of the suffering and everything that went with it, it says that your value is all the way up here. And, you know, we get down. Satan brings us down. He wants you to think that you're, you don't have any value, that you're worthless, that you can't amount to anything. That's, that's part of his, his game plan. But Jesus says, no, you are of infinite value. And it's not because you've done anything special that you're of infinite value. Quite the opposite. We're in desperate need. We're a wreck, and, and that's why we're of value. We're our children. You know, if you have a wayward child, you, you understand that keenly. And he desired to do it and decided to do it long, long before we were even born. Bought with a price, his blood. So at the heart of the gospel is the good news. um, And it's important to know this fact. Your value is found in Christ and what he did. Not in what others think of you or what others say. Not what your sister or your brother or, or someone, your co-workers say. Not what a friend at church has said about you. Your value is in Christ. That's consideration number one. And number two... Christ is of infinite value to the sinner. Very important. You know, there's a being of incredible power, and I don't want to give him any credit. I'm just telling you the facts. His sole purpose is to draw you and I away from God, away from that love, to believe that you're not good enough to be loved. And we're not. But you know where that goes, right? It goes right in the gutter. Okay? You're of infinite value in Jesus, but Satan wants you to think you are not good enough to love, and therefore the Lord doesn't love you. You've done too many things wrong. His sole purpose is to draw us away from God. Bible commentary said this, bear in mind that it is none but God that can hold an argument with Satan. Don't try to argue with him. Uh, Eve tried to, you know, parlay with Satan, and that was a disaster. We're told that Christ, when he was on this earth, had been warned not to enter into argument with Satan. Because he was in human form, right? He, he set aside his divinity. And the same warning is applicable to us as well. Don't try to argue with Satan. The scriptures are a stronghold. Jesus, he gave the example, right? Satan is tempting him, and he is quoting Scripture. That's where the power is. The prince of the power of evil can only be held in check by the power of God in the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. That's from Evangelism, page 617. Can only be held in check by the the Godhead, the the, the, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. We are not able to hold Satan in check. It's not possible. So it's a power that we really have no idea what we're up against. And so the power necessary to save us has to be greater, right? Certainly greater than me or any of us. So if Satan is so powerful, and we know that he is, the power of Jesus is so much greater because he is winning and he will win. Even though we see... These little battles, and it seems like Satan is winning, but Jesus is, is going to be victorious in the end. Not even the angel Gabriel, if you look at Daniel chapter 10, not even the angel Gabriel was powerful enough to defeat Satan. So why is there value in Christ? The greatest power besides the power of God is the power of Satan. And again, we need a power greater than Satan in order to be saved. We can't save ourselves. We need the, the power and the righteousness of Jesus. I'll uh, Go to 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 11. Just going to read a few verses here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. I hope you're there. And this is the record that God hath given to us, what? Eternal life. And this life is in, what? His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, most Christians, I can say this without any reservation, most Christians walk around wondering if they're saved. And and, and really, it's a simple uh, pattern or, I don't know, recipe. I don't know exactly how to word it. But when you read these verses here, you can walk out of this sanctuary knowing that you're right with God. And if you're right with God, you're His. And that's how we should live. Now, not with this this cocky confidence that, oh, I'm saved, I was saved, I am saved. No. But you recognize that you're walking with the Savior all the time. And if you slip and fall, what does the Bible tell us to do in First John? Yeah, that's right. He says, you know, he tells you this so that you will not sin. But if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that was was terrible and it was short and sweet, but I'm right with God now. And then there's a confidence. And you can get on an airplane if you're afraid to fly. And if the plane goes down, no big deal. You're right with God. You can get in your car, which is far, 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 far more dangerous than getting on a plane without any concerns. You can say a prayer. You know you're right with God, and you just go about your business. You know, I have a dear friend, Michelle and I have a dear friend, uh, first elder in my last district, surgeon, dentist, um, plastic surgeon, fixing cleft palates, gunshot wounds. I mean, this guy, just a wonderful, wonderful man, went into the into the hospital for a bleeding ulcer. They gave him some medication. He had a heart attack and it killed him. I mean, boom, gone. But I can tell you right now, he wasn't worried because I know him. I know Jack. I know what he was like. And that's how we need to live with a confidence. that We're right with God. We're right with Jesus. God has given you eternal life through his son. He died the death that was promised to the sinner, the unrepentant sinner. And Jesus is the one. It tells us there, he who has the Son has life. We can't save ourselves. It's one or the other. No middle ground, no alternative method of obtaining eternal life, although some have tried. John chapter 14, verse 16 tells us, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. He made it very clear. It's a very unpopular verse, by the way. Very unpopular, but it's true. There's not two or three or a hundred ways to be saved or the ways to eternal life. Only one way, and it's faith in Christ. And maybe for you, you've had faith in Christ, but maybe it's faith at a different level. He was the only one who stepped forward, pledged to take our place because he was the only one that could. Go to Matthew 13. I want you to uh, just look at something that I think is uh, applicable to what we're talking about. Matthew 13:44. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. There's a lot of wisdom here. A lot of wisdom here. The value of Christ and his kingdom and his word is mentioned here in this verse. Jesus Christ must be of infinite value to you to the point where you you live like this verse. you recognize the treasure and you'll do anything to have it. because that's what that's what that parable is saying. He recognizes the value of the treasure, the treasure, God's Word, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ the Savior. and he'll do anything, don't let anything get in the way. Of you obtaining that. Billy Sunday said this if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer, but our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. Satan sent everything else, especially the entertainer part. You know, there's good scientists and excellent educators, excellent scientists, and, you know, those kinds of things, but there's also, you know, not so good ones. But our greatest need was forgiveness of God sent his son. He sent his son to die for you and for me. He should be of infinite value because you are of infinite value to him. Do you agree? Yes. Now let's kneel. Let's pray. <clears throat> Loving Father, we're... Uh, in awe of your great love for us. And, and, and we recognize it'll take eternity to comprehend the great depth of your love. But we see a picture of it um, in our temporal minds here on this earth, the best we can understand it. But we see, we see a great sacrifice. And we see um, a God who continues to strive for our salvation because sin has separated us from you and you want to bring us all back together as a family and Jesus has done everything and is doing everything necessary for our salvation if we would just believe and trust and accept we need to make Jesus our best friend we need to to make him lord and ruler of our lives we need to be willing servants and and follow wherever he leads and lord that's our desire we we want to have the confidence of eternal life, and we're so thankful that you've made provision where, if we have sinned, we can come to you boldly to the throne of grace, because it's your desire, like a loving father, to forgive his children. And Lord, help us to recognize Satan's voice when he tries to discourage us, when he tries to tell us we're not good enough, when he tries to, when he reminds us that we've fallen in this place multiple times, and there's no use or any hope, because that's a that's an out right lie. There's always hope in Jesus. We still have time. Probation is not closed. We know the time is short, Lord, but we desire to surrender our hearts right now, and we do that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.